What would you do if you could do anything? Welcome back to The Purpose Effect. I'm Elena. I'm not one for extremism in this space. I think you have to meet sustainability where you can. And obviously during COVID and and everything, all the suffering that everyone has experienced on some level or another, sometimes you just have to do what you can. And that is enough. And we don't need to put so much pressure on ourselves. As long as we are doing what we can, stretching a little bit and bringing others into the conversation around us and really voting with our dollars. Welcome back, everyone. Before diving into this week's episode, I just wanted to take a moment to say happy International Women's Day to all of the amazing women who might be listening today. And while most of you listening are women, I do know that we have a few wonderful men in our community. So hi, guys. And to those men, I would like to say thank you for listening. Thank you for hearing our stories. And if you have a moment, take some time today to celebrate the woman in your life. The theme for International Women's Day this year is Break the Bias. And one really significant bias that women face is that female business owners and entrepreneurs are seriously underfunded compared to their male counterparts. The World Bank estimates this finance gap at 1.7 trillion US dollars. So if you want to do something really tangible this month, because yes, the whole month is Women's History Month, try to buy from a female-owned business if you have the option to do so. Because to borrow a quote from today's guest, we are purchasing the world that we want to live in. So on to today's conversation with Stephanie Dixon. Steph is the founder of Green is the New Black, a lifestyle, media, and events platform dedicated to sustainable, conscious living. Stephanie is also the host of the Live Wide Awake podcast. If you haven't had a listen to it yet, I would seriously recommend her most recent episodes with Mo Gordat on how to engineer happiness and Stephanie Crespin about her new technology, Reflaunt, that supports the circular fashion industry. Stephanie and I talk about not getting overwhelmed with the scale of the environmental crisis we are facing. Instead, meet sustainability where you are, with what you have, and go on an adventure with it. We also talk about exciting new developments in circular fashion, responsible carbon offsetting, and how COVID forced her to innovate and create a hybrid virtual live event that was more successful than she could have ever imagined. But to begin with, we talk about her awakening and her journey towards living more consciously. Well, I used to work in fashion. I used to run fashion festivals around Asia, and that was my dream job. I always wanted to work in fashion, and I was really excited when that finally happened. And, you know, I I did crazy things like fly to Paris one day just to hand carry a couture wedding gown. I had breakfast in Paris and then flew back, you know, like I did all the things that seemed very movie-like at the time. And uh, really, my life was like Devil Was Prada. I mean, I had, you know, a very inspirational but kind of crazy boss and, you know, there was lots of tantrums backstage and everything and I really did feel like I was living the dream. 
and then I watched The True Cost, the documentary, and I started getting, feeling like I was a little bit on autopilot, and I just started realizing or seeing all this information around me and had a huge awakening that fashion was actually one of the most polluting industries in the world and one of the most socially corrupt. And I felt truly blindsided because I couldn't believe that I'd been working in this industry, that I'd dreamt about my working in my entire life, only to find out that it's literally ruining the planet and taking advantage of people all around the world. So that was a huge awakening for my for me. And I kind of then went down the rabbit hole and started researching and I couldn't really turn mm-hmm. back. So I quit my job in fashion and because I realized I was, I was part of the problem, yeah. you know, especially when we were doing sort of fast fashion brands and those kind of things like the more ready to wear fashion weeks couture a little bit less but just the big massive build-ups for you know just five days and then tearing it all down and anyway it just seemed like I was part of the problem so I decided I wanted to be part of the solution and I didn't really know what else to do except events because that was my skill set. So I thought, okay, let me try and see what else is out there. I went to a couple of events at the time. I found that the events, this is back in 2015. Right. So in Singapore, sustainability was not something that was talked about. I really had to dig around to try and find events. And there was two that I found. One was really businessy and it just kind of went over my head. You know, I just come from fashion. So I, I was like, this is just too complicated and I, I'm not following what they're saying. And then the other one was just a little too preachy and I felt really judged and I didn't want to be in that space. So I decided, okay, I'm just going to start doing small events and bring people together for a very welcome space so that we can have conversations around sustainability and learn together. And that then led me to launch the Conscious Festival, which is our flagship event, I guess. It's it's, uh, now grown to be an event that has around 5,000 people that come. Uh, and we run those in Singapore, Hong Kong, and we just launched in Paris last year. Now we're doing hybrid because COVID. Uh, so we learned how to integrate virtual so that we can connect with more people around the world. And that's, yeah, that's really what we sort of started with. And then we launched a media platform so that we could keep in touch with people between the festivals and talk about, yeah, continue to talk about sustainability and conscious living in a way that made sense. And for us, that's all about little green steps and realizing that sustainability is a journey and trying to have a positive spin on it and try to cover topics that are often missed in the media or lose momentum that are so vital to understanding what's happening around the world and the landscape. So yeah, that's that's how we evolved and how it all started. Yeah, I like that you you mentioned that you wanted to create a space to talk about sustainability that wasn't preachy and wasn't too jargony, something that's very accessible. In doing that, what does it mean to live consciously? And is that something that's achievable for everybody without going, you know, all the way down one end of the spectrum and cutting out meat, dairy, leather, every every uh, animal product or possibly impactful, um, you know, technology for an, um, to an extent because that's hugely energy intensive. Is there a way to do it in a livable way? Mm, yeah, that's a really great question. So uh, f- the first part of your question, for me, living consciously is understanding that our decisions not only impact us, but our surroundings and the environment. And so that m- when we look at conscious living, we look at it as an inside-out job. And that really means also looking after our mental well-being and our, our you know internal dialogue that we're having around this. Because if we don't look after ourselves, we have nothing left to give to others. Yeah. And so with everything that we do, it really does start from inside-out. So that's the first part. The second part, 
anyone can live more consciously in their lives. And a lot of the time people think, oh, but I have to go out and buy all these expensive things or living sustainably or having a lesser footprint means I've got to spend more money on food and on my wardrobe and blah, blah, blah. And actually it's really not true. Most of the time, the most sustainable thing you can do is actually use what you already have. So in a fashion context, that means looking at what's in your wardrobe and actually just loving, falling back in love with the pieces that you already have, reusing them as much as possible or upcycling that were dyeing them a different color, you know, getting creative with it. That's actually sometimes the most sustainable thing you can do. You don't need to go out and buy a fancy new uh, collapsible lunchbox. Just use a box you have in the house, you know, use the cutlery you have in your house. So I think a lot of the time people get caught up in the uh, purchasing and it's just then buying more stuff that you probably don't really need. Yeah. And further, you know, in the detail of your question, I think what people need to do is just continue to move forward. And that's why we talk about little green steps. How in your life right now can you take small little steps, small little adjustments to lighten the load on the planet, to lighten your own footprint? And that may mean that you become more flexitarian in Mm -hmm. your diet. So instead of having vegetarian all the time or meat all the time, you can just have less, less meat, less uh, seafood, and be a little bit more vegetarian. But you can still have those things that you like. I'm not one for extremism in this space. I think you have to meet sustainability where you can. And obviously during COVID and and everything, all the suffering that everyone has experienced on some level or another, sometimes you just have to do what you can. And that is enough. And we don't need to put so much pressure on ourselves. As long as we are doing what we can, stretching a little bit and bringing others into the conversation around us and really voting with our dollars, that's that's great already. You know, you you basically, we are purchasing the world that we want to live in. And that's something that people don't really think about as much, the value that our wallets have and that our voices have. And if you see something that makes you upset, then you should message that company. You should use the voice, the power of your voice as well and message and try to get answers on social media. And if you want, you know, join some of these online movements. There's so much you can do from the comfort of your home without spending any money, but it's using the other valuable resource that we have, which is our time and our voice and our power in that sense. And so there really is a whole spectrum of things that you can do, but there's one, um, so one person that we work with quite a lot is, is Chad Frischman from Project Drawdown. And he has this beautiful phrase where he says, choose your own adventure. And I always bring that up and I always credit him because I think it's such a fun way to look at it because it doesn't need to be heavy and it doesn't need to be negative all the time. It can be fun. You can go on an adventure with your kids, with your family, on your own to figure out what it is that gets you excited about sustainability and living a better life for yourself or that makes you feel more alive. And I think that's a really fun way to look at it instead of it being so heavy and a sacrifice and, oh my gosh, I have to give up so much to be sustainable. No, it's not true. It can be fun. It can be an adventure and you can do it with what you have already. I completely agree with that. And I also like that you talk about it in terms of being fun because in addition to feeling like, oh my God, it's so much work and I'm going to have to drastically overall, uh, overhaul the way I live, there's also so much doomsday messaging around climate change and it feels really, really heavy and it feels often like no matter what you do, you're not going to make an impact, so why bother? But I think that starting here, starting with what you have and trying to make it fun <laughs> makes it really, really accessible um, for loads of people. So... Tell me what the last couple of years have been like for you and for Green as the New Black. 
given COVID and given how much events are are central to to your business and where you started, um, how has it changed your business? And and have there been some actually really wonderful and valuable things that have come out of that? <sighs> COVID, COVID, COVID. I mean, I'm going to guess no. <laughs> <laughs> no, there has, there has. It's just a, wow. I mean, what a crazy few years that we've all been living through. And uh, for us, it was really intense because we were on track to have our most successful year ever with three festivals in one year, which we'd never done before. A huge multi-regional partnership, which we'd also never had before. And of course, all of that came to a screaming, screeching halt uh, when COVID started happening. And so we just innovated. At the time, we had an incredible team and we basically said to them, guys, do you think we can try to make this virtual? And the team was just all for it. So everyone worked through the first lockdown we had here in Singapore. Most of the team was in Singapore then. Everyone was working. It just gave us purpose to keep going and we managed to do our first virtual event having never tapped into the virtual world and we were one of the first events in Singapore to go virtual and to have a really unique experience online and we pulled it off. And that gave the team a lot of hope. Uh, we had to adjust a lot of a lot of different parts of our business model uh, and really focus and kind of lean down, of course, a little bit. But it really showed us that, yeah, we can do that. And so in 2021, we were able to do a physical event again in Paris. It was our first one in Europe. And we had 5,000 people joining, which seemed wow. just like another world after living through COVID and actually being able to meet so many incredible people and go back to having a full-fledged event. And we were able to do a hybrid. So that opened up a whole new world of possibilities for us because we were then able to have incredible speakers and thought leaders from around the world join us virtually mm-hmm. uh, while people were physically able to watch them in Paris, but also people could virtually join and watch all of the talks in English online as well. Yeah. So it was a really fun experiment, very challenging at the same time because we'd never done hybrid before. And actually it's way more complicated than you think, Yeah. but we pulled it off. And so I think that was the most beautiful part of it is that we then were able to innovate and really integrate and do something very different uh, that we wouldn't have imagined or probably pushed ourselves to do uh, unless it was because of COVID. So I would say that was that was one of the big things that happened for us. It's also really interesting given that um, I think one of the aims of your Conscious Festival in Paris was to be as low waste and low um, emission as possible. And if you're having virtual speakers and a bigger audience who have not necessarily traveled to get there, it also reduces the impact of the festival itself. Um, with or without COVID, it, it kind of also feels like a natural progression for what you're trying to achieve anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good. It was nice to know that there was less impact and and less people flying around and we were still able, and then we were able to reach even more speakers. So yeah. it was, it was cool. We were happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I also want to talk a little bit about what a sustainable future looks like for you and how hopeful or maybe concerned you might be about it. And you've been, well, Green is the New Black has been um, publishing a lot recently on the tech changes in this intersection between technology and climate, um, climate activism. And I wanted to talk firstly about NFTs, because it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? On the one hand, they're very, very energy intensive. 
But on the other hand, you know, some of the sales of these NFTs are being used to fund um, organizations like Open Earth Foundation. I think you guys were talking about that um, on your uh, website recently. So what's exciting you at the moment? Where are the bright spots and, and where do you think there's still a lot of work to be done? Yeah, it's such a new and exciting and fast evolving space, but it really, I'm deep diving massively into it at the moment and I have been for the last couple of um, weeks, months. And I, I am very excited by the possibilities. Also, of course, when you talk about the space, there is a huge toll on the environment in terms of energy. However, most of the initiatives are aware of that and they are actually trying to change it. So there's basically moving from a proof of work to a proof of stake. But what's getting me really excited is some of the amazing NFT community projects that I'm seeing coming out right now. And that's really what I'm spending more of my time deep diving into and having a lot of very exciting conversations with people. And, you know, there's one project in particular that's coming out called, uh, Oceanverse, and mm -hmm. it's uh, basically they're working with artists, ocean-based artists, photographers around the world, and they're going to be auctioning off uh, artworks by each of them, and those uh, the money that they're raising will be then used to digitize the ocean, in a sense, and protect certain parts of it, so certain reef projects or NGO projects or startups who are basically using their resources to protect different parts of the ocean, and I I just think that's so incredible you know like how cool is that that they're able to connect people that care about the ocean with all these artists from around the world and develop a project and a way that we can actually start protecting the areas that need it the most and there's just so many clever people out there coming up with really exciting ideas and that's yeah what it's giving me a lot of hope and something exciting to focus on because you know it depends on which day you get me as it depends on how anxious I am about the future <laughs> After COP, I was uh, yeah. in a very jaded, you know, depressed state again, thinking like, oh my God, how are we going to get ourselves out of this? But then I just try to focus on all the incredible entrepreneurs out there and really people who are just pushing boundaries and using their time and effort to actually get excited and have hope and joy again uh, to solve some of the big issues that the world is facing. And that's honestly what gets me through and keeps me excited. So now I just try to focus my attention on finding exciting projects that make me believe in humanity again. And uh, yeah, that, that keeps me, keeps me smiling and laughing. Uh, otherwise it can be quite dreary and depressing, but yeah, just got to change my life algorithms. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Change your life algorithms. It's a, it's a nice way to look at it. What about things like plastics trading exchanges? You know, am I being, you know, incentivizing businesses, incentivizing the private sector, which and some of the industries which typically have been such a big part of the problem to do better? And Am I naive in thinking the fact that now there's so much, well, not so much, there is more emphasis on this from the private sector, a suggestion that, you know, a shift is happening, that there's real momentum behind this because there are greater sort of financial incentives to do so? Or is this a fad and it might not last? It's just something being done to get more consumers at a time when people are very conscious of it. I think there's a little bit of both. I think it is 
we're in a huge transition phase right now. Uh, as I said, I'm based in Singapore right now, and everybody is talking about ESG because finally the government regulation is coming in and companies have to do it or they're going to be fined and there's finally you know actual policy being put into place for this. And so it is on everyone's mouth. Everyone's hiring chief sustainability officers right now. You've probably seen this as well. And so we are seeing a big shift in terms of the private and the corporate sector. And that was well needed. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's almost late, but at least it's finally happening. So we are seeing progress there. And yeah, it is good to see that there are some financial opportunities and incentives driving companies as well. And I think we just need to see a lot more of that and a lot faster. So that, because we really are in the decade right now of the change that needs to happen. Yeah. We have a finite amount of time that we can turn things around before they get even more dire and before the whole world starts experiencing climate change on an even deeper level than we're experiencing right now. So this is a very, very critical time that we're living through. And what I think is is an important way to look at it is that it is a transition. So, you know, a lot of people are talking about carbon offsets and there's so many different opinions that are circling around on that particular topic. But the reality is it is a transition through. Mm-hmm. And while we need to make sure that, you know, the big companies that have a lot of cash and that are also really polluting don't just use this to pay off and to kind of, you know, use the carbon offsets as a way to just cover themselves without actually reducing. Because the big thing that we need is reduction across everything, across consumption, industry, yeah. government. And, you know, we really need to reduce. And so, Right now, I think that a lot of these carbon offsets and and these sort of, uh, I guess, taxes aren't priced high enough that it's going to hurt where it needs to. So we actually need to see that these are mandated, but they're priced expensively so that it actually incentivizes company and industry to reduce and figure out how to be more energy efficient and how to have a lot less impact because it's cheaper to do that than to have to pay the price of of the impact. Because the offset. Exactly, because the pollution and the impact that a lot of these companies and that everyone is really having, the environmental impact is not factored in. So until we start factoring in the environmental impact and it pinches where it hurts, you know, on the monetary line, then I think we won't see as much innovation and reduction that we need to see. Yeah, You're seeing it in some aspects, obviously, but as a general rule, that's what we kind of need to see. So yes, carbon offsets, there are lots of different opinions about them right now, but it is a transition step to where we need to be heading. So while it's not the solution it is part of the transition. At least that's how I see it right now. I'm glad you raised carbon offsets because it's something, it's a conversation which, to be honest, has frustrated me because I feel like it's a way of sidestepping the real issue, which is reduction, as you as you just highlighted. But is there a way to do it responsibly, like to sign up to some of these schemes or donate to offsetting projects in a way that really creates an impact and does, yeah, cancel out your impact or is it just a nonsense because it's only going to cancel it out over a period of you know decades which we don't really have it's it's a really tough thing to comment on because i kind of see both sides of it Mm -hmm. so and i think that 
as I said, it, it really is a transition and it's something that we need to do, but there are projects out there and people who are doing it in a much more sustainable and much more ethical way. And I think it's really just down to us. If you're talking about it in an individual capacity, you know, how should I offset my own carbon emissions? How should I calculate that? There are some great projects and you just need to do a little bit of research and you can basically find companies that are doing this legitimately, that have a really good track and trace policy that you're actually able to see. And now, which is kind of exciting, there's a lot of uh, use of blockchain and technology that really keeps it very transparent and clear. And of course, then there's some bigger projects that are way more dodgy that, um, you know, they can also, there's the issue of double selling, you know, Okay. Um, carbon offsets and stuff like that. So it can right. get very murky and it can get very messy and dirty. Yeah. So it really just comes down to like doing a little bit of research and just trying to figure out, okay, which projects do I believe and which are legitimate? And you can see the founders and you can read the story and you can see like what they're trying to achieve. So I think it really just comes down to a little bit of discretion as well, like personal discretion on, on what you feel. Uh, but it is something that, you know, is being put through regulation right now. So for the near future, we are going to have to understand this and understand where what are the good projects and to really check to see, to try to understand if the companies we're purchasing from as consumers or even in a business sense are actually doing the right things or if they're kind of skirting around it and figuring out ways to do it that are not uh, the right way. It's, uh, it's very complicated. So you're saying, for example, you could be purchasing sort of carbon offsets and then actually what you're paying for is what, what the, the money you've contributed is not actually going towards doing anything um, or it's being sold twice so two people are contributing to the same specific project, that kind of thing. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but there are all these horror stories about it that it's happened in the past. So I think now, because of the regulation coming through, things are going to have to get a lot more cleaner. And there are some great startups who are addressing a lot of the problems that have existed in the past. So I think then it just comes down to that little bit of extra research and just reading and you know just feeling into if you think that they're legitimate or not. So what are some of the ways that we as consumers can make decisions to live more consciously that are going to have the most impact on a day-to-day level? Like where should we be focusing our energies? I think it's about finding what gets you excited to change and to evolve. And I think that it really depends on person to person. So I think if you love fashion and you love clothes, then you can get really creative in your wardrobe. If you love food and you know, you want to make sure that there's, you're lessening your impact on the planet or you've watched some of the documentaries, the great documentaries that are out there. There's so many small shifts you can do in your food and in your lifestyle that make a big difference. So I think it really is about finding what actually is going to get you excited enough or that you're committed to that you're going to stick to. Because if you try to overhaul your whole life and you try to do too many things at once, you may feel like it's a sacrifice or it's too much or it's too heavy and you just end up kind of rejecting all of it. Like I've seen that a lot in in the cycle. So I think, yeah, it's finding what excites you, what makes you want to actually go on this journey. 
But if you're looking for some more practical suggestions, I think people underestimate the power that they can do in their workplace. Mm-hmm. So forming a green group, educating, trying to get your company to make switches can have a really big impact. And that can be something that then you can be very proud of and you can really get behind that will really move the needle. But on a family basis, looking at things of like, I think food is a massive one. You know, how do you reduce the impact of the choices you're making three times a day on your plate? Mm -hmm. That can be a big one and can also be a new adventure to go and find different ways to eat. Uh, And then looking at um, travel is a big one as well. How can you travel more sustainably uh, so that you are lessening the footprint when you're in places, can use more public transport. If you're in somewhere like Europe, you can take trains. I took a lot of trains when I was in Europe and it's great. And it's crazy when you look at the numbers about the huge reduction of footprint when you take a train versus a plane. So there are certain things like that that you can do for your personal carbon footprint. But I think just starting to actually go to one of the calculators online and see, because you can fill in parts of your life and just see where the big pieces in your lifestyle are and figure out ways to reduce that a little bit and to do the things that get you excited about this. (laughs) I keep repeating the point that I, I think it should be fun. Yeah, definitely. It should be fun, right? Because that's the only way we're going to make it stick. So speaking of fun, I wanted to talk a little bit about circular fashion and the growing circular fashion economy, particularly here in Asia, because I feel that in Europe, um, the industry is already quite mature, whereas here it's a little bit more nascent. So, So what's going on here in Asia? What are some of the interesting businesses that are operating in that space? And where should we be going to get our cool pre-loved pieces? Mm. Yeah, it's actually very exciting. So in Singapore, there's a clothes swapping store, which is started by one of my good friends, Ray Pettit. It's called the Fashion Pulpit. And I think that's such a brilliant idea because you can literally go in, you can join as a member and swap clothes, or you can also just purchase off the rack. And they're really very well and reasonably priced. And then they do all these really fun swapping events where where you have points and you actually get to bid. Oh, on. They cool. do like this partnership with um, a luxury uh, handbag, pre-loved handbag reseller. So they have these handbags and you can like bid on it and it's an auction. And it's, it's just really fun. Like he's so creative the way that he does the experiences. So I've thoroughly enjoyed being part of that community and uh, bidding on on bags and stuff like that. It's like just a really fun experience. Uh, Vestier Collective is everywhere now. I think they're definitely the leaders in the pre-loved market and they're very prominent in Asia as well. So uh, they have some great quality products and it's a really seamless uh, process. I I purchase a lot from them actually. And uh, then there's this company that's starting more in in Europe, but it's it's done by another friend, Stephanie Crespin, and she's it's called Reflaunt, and it's incredible what they're doing because they're using technology to basically help uh, companies to uh, allow customers to. Pre, uh, resell their items. So for example, they just launched a big partnership with Net-A-Porter. And so now Net-A-Porter will actually have a QR code, I think it is, if I'm not getting it wrong, uh, where they will embed that in the purchase of the item so that when, for example, say I buy a handbag, like a Stella McCartney handbag, for example, and then I get this code. And then when I've had enough of the bag or I want to resell it, I can resell it and upload it to the pre-loved sites with all of the information that was pre listed okay. uh, from Net-A-Porter and also the verification. So it's already verified. 
identified and then all the information just preloads because it's already all connected with that QR code. And that for me is just so exciting because it's becoming a seamless process. Reflaunt helps to list it across secondhand marketplaces all around the world that they have partnerships with. Or if the if the partner, like for example, Net-A-Porter, if they decide to have their own secondhand or pre-loved marketplace, then you can just upload it on there. Yeah. And it's becoming seamless. So yeah. this is really exciting because it keeps items within the, like in circulation. Because a lot of what happens is there's so much stock in people's wardrobes that are not being used, like 80% or something like that is of people's wardrobes just are dead stock sitting there. So if you can then recirculate that, give it a new lease of life, find a new home for it, then that's really helping with the circular economy. And hopefully we get to a point where brands actually produce a lot a, a lot less. Yeah. And we see an actual revolution of the way that the fashion industry operates because that's what we need to be seeing. Yeah. We need a huge reduction in the amount that's produced on a yearly basis and way more circulation of products. And so those kind of companies are, are getting me really excited about the space because they're doing it in a very cool way, working with the right partners, solving some of the issues and making it really seamless for the consumer yes Uh, and I think that's what's the best part I think that's key right because it's so much more difficult as a consumer to photograph your item upload it put in all of the information and sell it than it would be to just you know go to Zalora for example and buy you something new and it would be you know on your doorstep the next day so if you can make the process if you can make it just as easy to resell as you can to purchase new, then it, yeah, incentivizes the process so much more. Yeah. It's exciting times ahead. Yeah. Just needs to happen very quickly. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm hoping, I feel like the momentum has builded, uh, has built, sorry. And maybe we're going to see big changes happening in the next couple of years. It's going to become, you know, ubiquitous. Um, so what has this journey your personal journey to live more consciously taught you about yourself? Mm. So many things. <laughs> I think uh, it's a really interesting process because I'm such a work in progress still. That's how I feel. We all and, are. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's a roller coaster, I think. And I'm a roller coaster. I think that's one of the biggest things that I've had to learn and accept. You know, I think I've really battled a lot with anxiety. Uh, I, I sleep terribly still. I have like a ongoing battle with insomnia. And I think for me, part of the biggest lessons have just been learning to accept the way I am, how the world is, and just really trying as much as I can to live in the moment and find these moments of joy. I really have this habit of spiraling out of control, uh, especially when I'm hormonal. And uh, it's just really focusing on doing the work, the self-work, and finding the right tools to support me through those spirals so that I can spiral back up and out again. Uh, So when I think about the conscious living piece, it's all interconnected obviously. And so the more that I do on myself, the more that I can show up better and I can do more within Green is New Black or or my community and provide value to people because I'm stronger and I just have yeah. more to give. So for me, it is very interconnected. And sometimes, you know, I, I've been super vegan for a while and, 
you know, making my friends feel bad about all their fast fashion purchases and stuff. And that was in the beginning of my journey. And then I, you kind of settle in and, and you find what works for you and different ways to kind of influence and have engaging conversations with the people. And then sometimes you just have to wait also, you know, for them to have their own awakening and then come back to you and be very open and supportive when that happens as well. But I can only do that if I learn to also be able to support myself through these up and downs and just acceptance of, of my roller coasterness. Yeah. I think with an anxiety generally, one, one thing that's really helped me when I, I also have a tendency to, to spiral. Um, and something that's really helped me is to focus outward on other people. You know, it doesn't need to be in a big way, but that, um, giving back, um, making it about something else outside of you rather than what's happening internally is really, really helpful, I think, in getting out of the spiral. And, and obviously you're doing so much of that. And there's so many ways that you can um, put some of that energy back into supporting the community that you've built. And what gives you hope then at the moment? The thing that gives me the most hope is all the crazy, audacious entrepreneurs and people who are just not accepting the status quo and are using their creativity and excitement for life to solve some of the world's most pressing issues. And that is where I just try to focus my attention, meeting people, having new conversations about possibilities and solutions and yeah, that's what that's what really gives me hope. And the youth, you know, they're 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 struggling a lot right now. And I actually went to one of the huge protests that happened in Glasgow last year during COP. They're angry. There's a lot of anger there. And I hope that that anger can can transmute into joy again and hope and and focus on solutions as well. Uh, of course, they're entitled to every emotion that they need to go through. But when I zoomed out a little bit from that space and started focusing more on having conversations with people uh, about the work they're doing and, and the problems they're solving, that allowed me to focus on something different than the problems that I see and the limitations of policy and mm-hmm. the greed of corporations. And, you know, it, it's such a downward spiral. So yeah zooming out and being able to engage in different types of conversation and meet different people that's really helped and given me hope because I'm excited you know humanity is amazing there's a lot of uh, shoddy people out there yeah (laughs) but at the end of the day they have families and they're just trying to do what what they know how to do best and sometimes it just takes people a while before they wake up to the reality that we're living in and so instead of focusing on all the negativity of what people are doing, how can we really focus on the positivity and community and coming back to basics a little bit? So that's where I try to find hope. And are you, um, together with uh, Green as the New Black, doing anything to support some of these audacious entrepreneurs who are really trying to do creative and exciting things in this space? I mean, the best way that we can support them is sharing their work, interviewing them, you know, getting them on the podcast or figuring out ways to share the excitement that they're doing and, you know, using platforms like this to also shout out about some amazing brands and people like that. You know, I think that's 
that's how I can do it best and put them on stage at our festivals and get them, you know, to have a booth at the marketplace so we can bring the 5,000 people to come and meet them, that kind of thing. I mean, I, I, that's with my skill set right now, that's the best thing I, I know how to do to support. Um, maybe I come up with other ways in the future, but for now, yeah, it's just doing what we can to support the the cool the cool ideas and, and people who are out there trying to change the world. Yeah. I mean, I think it's amazing. You have to start with what you have, as you've already said, and you have built a really engaged, active community. So that's definitely something to be celebrated and, and something that's creating real impact. Thank you. So what does purpose mean to you? <sighs> purpose to me means just having, I keep going back to joy because that's really, I guess, my word of the year. <laughs> but I think having purpose is having meaning that also gets you excited and makes you feel alive. And so it's really about finding that thing that lights you up every day that, you know, no matter if you've had a bad night's sleep or you're feeling tired or whatever, the kids have caused a ruckus or whatever, when you go into that into your purpose, into that light again, you're like, oh, okay. It's just like everything else melts away and you can just be there and, and do that. And I think that's what we're all trying to find. But of course, there's always a shit sandwich that goes along with everything. So I think it's really just also the other side of purpose is figuring out if you can handle the shitty side of whatever it is that you're doing as well as the good side. Because there's all stuff that isn't rosy that no matter what you're doing and so it's can you handle both sides of it and then yeah perfect that then that's great you, that can be your purpose oh, I like <laughs> but that. just having that balance and acceptance around it I'm, I didn't come up with the shit sandwich that is all Mark Manson okay so we have to credit him and read uh, his amazing book the subtle art of not giving a fuck okay um no I, I what I liked was what you were talking about you know, being able to handle the flip side, like that's, yeah. you know, because there is this tendency to think once I get this, it'll all be fine. Once I get this job, you know, once I have this relationship, once I have this in my life, everything will be fine. And then purpose can be another thing, right? It can be once I've found my purpose, then my life is going to change. But it, it there's, there's always going to be those bad days. And you found it, I think, if you can deal with the bad days and still want to move forward. Yeah, I think a big part of it is finding satisfaction in where you are. Mm -hmm. And that can be your purpose, like knowing that you do a job to serve something, a different type of purpose in your life or that that allows you to get home to be with your family or allows you to travel and do the things that you love. I think there's a big focus on this idea of, oh, I have to find my purpose and meaning in the world. But your purpose can just be, okay, I'm doing these things because it allows me to do this. Yeah. And those are the things that lights me up. And that's a beautiful balance that I've created in my life. And that's reality. That's my reality. And I can be satisfied in that. I don't have to keep finding what is the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Because sometimes then you get to that thing and you're like, no, this is not the thing. There must be more. There must be more. Yeah. <laughs> you get to the top of the mountain and you're like, where's the next one? Um, yeah. And, and, and for you personally, now that you're you're doing what you're doing um, as opposed to what you were doing before you had your awakening when you felt you were part of the problem. Do you feel like more fulfilled? Do you feel more grounded in the everyday? Depends which day you ask me. <laughs> I think yes, in general, of course, it's been a beautiful journey, but it's an exhausting one yeah. as well, being an entrepreneur. And 
Yeah. It's a, there are fulfilling days and there are days where you feel like the life has been zapped out of you, at least in my, my instance. Uh, so I think it's, that's why I'm right now this year is really about trying to find more balance yeah. in the emotional roller coaster that goes along with this to not be so affected by it Yeah, because I am, and I have been for years and it's debilitating sometimes and I don't want it to be that way anymore. So I think, yes, some days I feel super fulfilled and other days I feel super drained. And so, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done there. I think it's it's a common sentiment when I've spoken to other female entrepreneurs, this tendency to equate any kind of business success with with what that says about you personally. And yeah, it's a worth. very difficult thing to separate, right, your, your business and, and what that does. Um, and who you are as a person. And actually, if it goes wrong or if you lose other people's money, it's not a reflection on you personally. And I think that's a really difficult, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's a really difficult road to navigate because it's so personal when it's something that you've created from nothing. It's not something you can leave easily. Um, and it's, it's often consuming sometimes because it has to be in order to get it off the ground, particularly because, I mean, your business is still relatively young, right? 2015, so seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You know, I had to realize in the beginning I was Green is New Black and Green is New Black was me. And over the years I've had to detach from that and realize that, of course, our identities are not the same. But of course, we're completely different and separate and it's not a direct reflection. Uh, and so, but then there's also the ability to not, as much as you don't get down with the downs, to also not get too high with the highs. Yeah. You know, and so it's finding that that more humble balance in between where there are some things that are just out of your control and some things totally work and that's amazing. And it's but finding a balance that you don't get so swept away in the up and the down that's that's yeah. I think at least with me anyway that's been you know trying to the, the balance finding the balance yeah well good luck I'm sure you'll get there <laughs> <laughs> so what's next then for you and for green as the new black as separate entities which do not directly reflect each other <laughs> <laughs> well green is new black uh we're gearing up for our next hybrid festival which is very exciting it's powering on and living uh and that's always great and we're doing this uh, youth sustainability influencer incubator and we've already done one year of that um with Tomasic Foundation, WWF, and the UN. So that was an amazing project we piloted last year, and it's being renewed again this year, which is very exciting. Very cool. So those are the two big projects for Green is New Black. For me personally, uh, I've been nomadic with my husband for the last 10 months, and we're going to continue that journey a little bit longer this year, which has been very fun. Mm -hmm. It's also been very challenging in beautiful ways that has allowed me to get way more relaxed, get uh, used to living more in the moment and planning step-by-step step instead of creating whole big plans and being disappointed with expectations or things not working out because when you're traveling in a pandemic and in uh, yeah. <laughs> the situation, things change all the time yeah. and you got to roll with it. And that was part of the reason I wanted to do that journey just so that I could really learn how to uh, let go and yeah. be more in flow. So I'm continuing that journey this year. Okay. and continuing the journey of 
flattening out the roller coaster, the emotional roller coaster. And that's really my focus this year is a lot of healing, a lot of self-work and having more fun and joy in a little moments and not taking everything so seriously. So that's my personal work for the year. And as I've said multiple times, my word is joy. Joy <laughs> is the word of the year. So <laughs> so where are you going to next then on your nomadic journey? We're going to Australia, nice. which is incredible because I'm going to go visit all my family. My husband hasn't seen my family for two and a half years. Yeah. So they are all so excited. Actually, they haven't even met him as their in-law yet oh, because okay. we got – we had to cancel our wedding because of COVID, which is a whole nother thing. And we did a little love, a love signing, uh, in Singapore together. And so they haven't actually seen him since we've been, uh, on paper related. Yeah. So that's going to be really beautiful yeah. to be with them. And, uh, and then we're not sure. We're just take it, take it, uh, the next place as we feel like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, enjoy. I wish you a lot of joy in that journey. And, thank you. um, thank you so much for, um, for your time today and sharing your story with me. Um, yeah, it's been really enlightening. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to today's conversation with Stephanie Dixon. If you want to learn more about Green is the New Black or listen to the Live Wide Awake podcast, I've linked to both of these in the show notes. And if you want to live more consciously, then start with what you have. Start where you are and have fun with it. And you'll hear from me again next week. Bye.